Many real estate agents across Australia confidently refer Property Insurance Plus to their clients as they recognise the price and benefit value of their policy combined with the client-focused service they deliver. They offer a comprehensive building and landlord insurance facility and have formed a powerhouse to present the very best in investment property insurance. Contact PIP today to find out more. Today, I am joined by Robin Ram from Aspire, who is a real estate training specialist and focuses on CPDs, real estate training, qualifications, registrations, and traineeships for our industry. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So today, I want to talk about a couple of things, CPDs for 2021, what we can expect, and also sort of qualifications and traineeships. So I am one of those very annoying people who does love lots of training, um, but obviously I'm the minority when it comes to it, I think. And the property manager just does their registration. A lot of property managers are happy just doing their property management license and then sitting there. But there's extra qualifications that people can do in-house that yep. they can further their knowledge. So I, and now correct me if I'm wrong with it, but I was sort of doing some research. So you've got your Cert for in Property Services and yes. Diploma of Property Services. That's right. And then you've got your Cert for in Real Estate Practice and your Diploma of yes. Property Agency Management. So quite, uh, it's quite unusual quite right now. There are two streams which overlap each other. So there's the 2007 base qualification, which is the Cert for of Property Services, and then the Diploma of Property Services. So what's changing from September next year's next year onwards, uh, the 2007 model will no longer be able to be trained by any RTOs. So that becomes obsolete and the new model comes in. So what that means for the industry is uh, they're finally recognizing that thing. A lot has changed since 2007. So six units to become a property manager really isn't acceptable. Um, it is pretty minimal amount of training. However, that is what the industry dictate as acceptable. And as we know, we learn most of it on the job when we're in the industry. So it's kind of like learning to drive a car. You know, you get your license, but experience is what will teach you the actual, the day-to-day. So when you're um, doing a course right now, you can complete your PM registration in six, uh, six units. Next year from September, it'll be 12 units. Wow. So it's going to double. Um, same thing. Uh, so sales representatives, the unrestricted course right now is seven units. And of that, how many units do you reckon are property management based? I have no idea. One. One. So you can do your sales course and have complete one unit of property management and you get the ability to be a property manager when you finish that. So that's also changing and that's moving to a sales-based only registration from September next year for 13 units. If you would like the ability to do both, which is the current seven units, that'll be 18 units. Someone will have to complete the full cert for of property practice. Wow. How good's that? Yes. So any PMs that actually want to unrestrict a registration, you've got a window of six to eight months really to get in there and get it done now if you want to unrestrict it. Because if you want an unrestricted registration in October next year onwards, you're going to have to do more studies. So if you are operating in property management under the, like that's the sales rep one, yep. would you have to do it again or would you be okay? Like You'll you be okay. You'd, so yeah. you have an unrestricted registration, okay. which you maintain after this. Yeah. Okay. So September, it's all changing. September. And the same for the diploma. The diploma of property services, the 2007 one, is 26 units. 
that's moving down from 26 units of can you do property management, can you do sales, to 13 business units. Can you run a team? Can you run an agency? Can you manage compliance? So the standard to become a licensee in the future is going to be much higher. So you'll have to do moving forward, anyone who wants their triennial will need to do their diploma, the new one, um, from September next year onwards, as well as components of or gap units in the cert for of property practice wow. so the education standard is lifting for the betterment of the industry yeah. um the downside for that is people like yourself for example if you've um you know you've been in the industry for a while and if you want to upskill um, it's going to be harder for you to do it so it's easier for you to get the qualifications under your belt earlier than it is next year because then your 20 years in industry 30 40 years aren't really taken into consideration no. Nothing aligns or really overlaps to a degree where you really benefit. Do you think we're going to see less people wanting to actually do their diploma because it's going to be too hard? I actually think what I've personally seen in industry yeah. in the last three years, and I've been in, in real estate for 19 years and three in the training field, I've actually seen um, a better, also maybe a better quality of person coming through that really wants real estate for the long term. And for a long-term career paths, I've got a lot of students now doing education because they want to get better, not because they want to run their own agency, not because they want to be a trainee holder, but they actually want to know everything about real estate and they want to be the best person they can be. And I've seen more and more of that come through lately, which is really positive for our industry. It's not just the bare minimum, I get my course, I'm done and don't bother me with training anymore. It's like, what can I do to further myself as a property manager? Well, that's the, and that's, yeah, one of the big problems is I find like just with even CPD points is people just go, they don't listen they go just for the sake of getting their points and instead of actually using the opportunity to learn something yeah the stigma of cpd points is it's a checkbox to get done absolutely whereas mandatory next year um, for property management it'll be um what is a material fact when should it be communicated Mm. When my training that I run at the moment, there's lots of misunderstandings of when you stop or when you just disclose, uh, what the emphasis is on that. What are the rights and responsibilities of property management and, and to your owner? So what do you do in different situations? So we've got some great, great case studies involved in that. And also now with everything going online is retention and security of documentation virtually. So DEMAs want to make sure everyone's aware of what the implications are that we're now remote, we're on our phones, we've got our tablets, we've got our phones, we've got our home computers. Uh, however, Privacy Act still retains, confidentiality is still there. How are we managing that in a virtual environment? So is that an elective? Those are the mandatory for next oh, year. Mandatory. For the, for the property say, managers. Yeah, so. I was just going to say to you, they should be a mandatory thing as opposed to. So we're going um, to find some nice interesting. Uh, I believe so, yes. <laughs> and then on the elective side of it, we yeah. get the um, benefit of doing seven elective courses to your own choice. And there's some great topics that are out there. And with the providers in WA, you can mix and match and you can make sure that what you want is really taken care of. So you look at it to go, well, where do I want to better myself this year? As a property manager, we run a negotiation course and a lot of PMs think that's a sales-based course. Whereas in my opinion, property managers negotiate on a daily basis. Salespeople will negotiate a few times a week. So property managers are more... you know, more should be going to this course more than more than most salespeople do. Mm. You know, courses like that teach you how to negotiate via email, which you do every day on your final bond inspections, which you do for your tenants for arranging access. When there's a drama and there's a conflict, how to best handle that situation via email, which sometimes our clients want, so we actually don't jeopardize the relationship. And there are certain little rules and tips and tricks you can put into place that once you follow them, it makes your life easier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The um the CPDs, someone told me the correct answer and it was probably you and I can't remember what it was, but can you just remind us all, with your mandatory CPDs, 
do if I'm a property manager, do I have to do property management, or if I'm a licensed agent, I have to do a licensed agent, and or can you? Mix and match. So this year um, in 2020, when we're just recording this one now, it's been um, pretty much a licensee's course for everyone to do. So the whole industry has been exposed to the responsibilities of a licensee, which has been really fascinating because we've gone through um, money laundering. We've gone through making sure bonds are lodged in time, trust account basics, the changes to strata title. So it's been a really positive one having everyone in that. Next year, it's gone to from one unit for the industry to four. So there's a sales course, there's a PM course, and there are two commercial streams. So um, what that means for a property manager is if you're a property manager, you want to be attending that. If you got your sales registration, um, but you're practicing as a property manager, you can then pick which is most applicable to you. And again, you go to the property management one. And anyone who's a licensee will choose what is the best for me to go to out of those two streams in sales or PM. You've got the option for both. Okay. Yeah. So there's some flexibility there. Um, Tell me just on those diplomas again um, and the, the cert falls, they... Uh, is that something like if, so let's say you're a working property manager and you just want to do a little bit of extra education, can they be done in-house or are they done online or are they done in person? What, yep. what there do people are, do? Uh, differing models from different RTOs. Uh, us at Aspire, what we do is pretty much uh, remote-based learning, like it's self-paced. Mm-hmm. So that way you can speed up and slow down as work dictates. Um, the 2007 diploma for a working property manager who wants their triennial, if you want to do it through recognition of prior learning, that would be a model that you'd want to do in the next six to eight months. Mm. Um, almost nobody as a property manager will be able to recognition, do recognition prior learning stream for the new diploma because you don't have track records of managing staff. You don't have track records that you can demonstrate of um, how you're managing finance, how you're managing compliance, because that's quite often outside of your role. So unless you're in a management position, it's almost going to be virtually impossible to RPL a, um, the new diploma coming through. Okay. So I would highly recommend anyone who's thinking that just to reach out and have a chat about that and how it looks like. So rather than learning how to do certain aspects of the role, you're demonstrating to the RTO or to us that you can appraise properties, that you can manage lease renewals, that you can manage um, your bond inspections, that you can manage maintenance, your database, your client relationships um, and so forth. So you're looking at about a bit of a six to eight month yeah. Course, do you we recommend so, six months. So um, now would be the time to be. If you want RPL, for sure, yeah. yeah. But if you want better knowledge and you say, look, well, that's fine, but I actually want to know how to be a better licensee, the new course is the better way to go. Um, and so we talk about September. Do you have to finish your course by September or do you have to have enrolled and started it? What's the. So the 2007 one, you have to be in that and you have to complete it. After complete September, it, okay. it'll come off the scope from RTOs to be able to train. Got it. Okay. So Just that's where, that. and my understanding from DEMERS is last time we heard from them that once you've got your Diploma of Property Services, the 2007 one, they'll still take that into um, consideration for the licensing okay. component. Even if it's off the scope and no one can train it, you can sit on that one for a year and then apply for your trainee. Yeah. Having said that, you may as well get it done if you've yeah. got it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Traineeships in the office. Tell us a little bit about those options that agencies have got. Yeah, it's been very uh, exciting as a pathway because that's how I started my career. As someone who was 18, a real estate office gave me an opportunity to do assistant property management, assistant sales. I got to learn everything in the job. I got to do all the hard work and it was so much fun. It gave me such a good grounding in real estate and I draw upon that my whole career, what I've learned early on. And the traineeship model allows anyone, anytime you as a business hire someone new. So it doesn't matter what age, but if they're new to your business within three months, and you put them on a traineeship model, the state government will pay you just over $2,000 during the course of that year. If they're upskilling, 
the federal government, and this is how it stands now, the federal government will pay you $4,000 over the course of that traineeship. So you've got $6,000 worth of incentives. The actual study-wise, it's about $4,500 worth of qualifications, which the government also subsidy subsidize. Mm-hmm. So the cost to us is about $1,600, and the government pays the rest. Mm-hmm. So in effect, the government incentives pay for the, um, the course. Uh, you've got applicable traineeship wages. If you would like to put the person on the traineeship salary, which is a little bit lower than the normal salary, making it more cost-effective to hire. Mm-hmm. And quite recently, the government has announced 100,000 spots available where they'll pay 50% of the trainee's salary up until September next year. That's what I heard the other day, someone saying, so this is really great if you are a small-time property manager, maybe you manage 100, 150 properties and you're in that awkward stage of do I need another person or not and you're not sure how you want to grow, going down that road of the traineeships is excellent. Now is one of the best times that there's been that I can ever remember to hire someone. So till September next year, if you know, for example, max at seven thousand a quarter. So the aim is twenty eight thousand total from October when it was released till September next year Mm -hmm. for someone to be able to benefit. So whatever half their salary is mixed, uh, maxed at seven thousand per quarter is what you can claim back after that quarter from the government. Plus the incentives, plus the traineeship salary, it now makes hiring really cost effective. So now with our mini boom that we've got in Perth at the moment, WA actually. Um, it's given certainty to the industry. So we've seen traineeship enrollment skyrocket, which have been amazing and, to and see. And also another, an excellent alternative to using a virtual assistant. Like, you know, some might have been considering getting a virtual assistant. Well, getting a trainee might actually be a really great, very cost comparative yeah. option. If you remember like some of the things when you start, when you're you know, new in the industry, I was doing all the things that people traditionally might not have wanted to do themselves. So there yeah. was an appointment, it was a last minute viewing on a rental property that you wanted to get gone, but you're doing three other tasks at the moment, you can send your assistant out there to go. And your, like, B- you can't, your VA can't do that. You can't do that. No, exactly. <laughs> you need to meet a contractor at a site to let them in. No problems at all. Your assistant can do that for you. Yeah. Um, and they benefit too by meeting the contractors and developing the skills, recognizing the property. So again, that's all the stuff that I did early on. Yeah, love that. That's really, really great. Um, and upskilling. So upskilling would be like if you had a receptionist and they have an interest in property management, then we can upskill them. Yes. And there's pretty much uh, individual upskilling we can do based on the needs of the person. Uh, and there's also availability where you can kind of, if you'd like to, outsource training for a year. Uh, where you can go to someone like us and say, well, look, we want training on time management for our team. We want training on email management and email etiquette is a big one. Um, We have training on negotiation, training on contracts, pretty much whatever people require for um, for their team. You can outsource that and go, well, look, can we get someone in there to do it? Quite often the boss of an agency will already be telling these people these things. However, when it comes from a different voice, from someone outside the office, it's looked at in a different light. So um, we can really mix and match to suit our clients, which is, um, yeah, quite a positive way to uh, take the pressure off the business owner who's also probably out there listing and selling and um, doing the managements and doing whatever you have to do to keep the whole agency running. And trying to make sure everyone's working Cont- compliant. And, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you actually just answered my last question, Robin, which was what training do you think is lacking in offices these days? So... Well, this is something I heard. I forgot where I heard it, but um, apologies to the source. It was just how real estate's changed so much. Mm. So in 19 years when, of course, when I started real estate, a real estate office was a very noisy environment. Um, nowadays, a real estate office is fairly quiet and there's lots of keyboards um, being you know tap, 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 which is excellent. But the problem with communication via email, and I'm a big fan, but it should follow the um, phone calls or it should follow the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, a message changes in its delivery by how it's said. And when you use a, a medium like SMS and email, how the party receive your lovely email is dictated on their mood, not your mood. 
So you could be writing the best email in the world about a problem and they're having a really bad day and they get your email at four o'clock or six o'clock or 9 a.m. and it's they're having a bad day, they're going to read that not in the manner you wanted it to be. And that can often cause conflicts and problems in the industry. So I feel that the training the industry need is sometimes a reminder that emails are uh, crucial. You've got to back up your conversations. You've got to have an audit trail. You've got to, you know, anyone who's done training with us has heard the saying that I've um I heard from a licensee in Rockingham, which is be a snail, leave a trail, have mm. a paper trail for everything that you do. So when there is an issue, you go, yep, no, confirmed via email. Here you go. Here's this, this and this. Mm. Oh, yep, no problems. Thank you very much. But that's not to replace the fact that we can resolve a conflict in a final bond list, for example, with a face-to-face conversation better than we can by here as 10 items that need to be fixed by Wednesday. Thank you. Kind regards, Robin. Yeah. Well, you know, that can cause conflict in email like that. Yeah there's, yeah, no, there's no tone except for the tone of their mood when they get it. And it's so interesting you said that because quite often if I have a staff member that, you know, says to me, oh, I got an email from blah, blah, and they read it, and but the property manager reads it to me with like with attitude with how they're interpreting it. And then I say, okay, now read it with a nice voice and see how it's different. And, and they it's go, but that's, not how, that's not how she was saying it. I said, well, it's how you're reading it. Yeah, we're putting our thoughts into someone else's mind. And is that fair on the other party? Exactly, exactly. So I think that's really, really important. And it's interesting. And it's nearly a shame, isn't it, that our training has nearly come down. And what we we are learning is simple communication etiquette. Like, yep. it's not really like transactional stuff like that we need training on it's actually this how to deal with people yeah nicely our um <laughs> complaints how we how do we handle complaints is a big yeah. is a big area of training one of the people uh, on the feedback sheets we get from our training something that resonates with a lot of property managers is um the email section on how to negotiate better by via email mm-hmm. and if you're happy i can give you a quick rundown from that course it's the the standard rules which we use the you know our trainer we link to is an american-based fbi trainer so we resource you know one of the world's best people in negotiations and the way to send the, the perfect email for a negotiation or when there's a problem is you set it up with look unfortunately something's happened then you land what the message is then you end positively so you don't write a three-page email, for example, where people roll their eyes as soon as they get it. You know, make it nice and brief. And the analogy I like to explain is, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Simon Sinek. He's mm-hmm. quite well known. Um, he tells the story of a um, an email that he got from someone he hadn't seen for 20 years. And that email was, um, hi, Simon, um, great stuff you're doing in the real estate industry. Oh, sorry, not the real estate industry, in, in, the, in the industry. You're making great success. It's really good to see everything that you're doing for everyone. Hey, by the way, I've entered an arts competition. It'd mean a lot if you vote for me. Can you please vote here? Thanks, John. Now, that email seems to be how we all send emails along that sort of line. But then you change that email to, to hey, Simon, I've entered an arts competition. Um, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd vote for me. By the way, congratulations on all the success you're having in the industry. It's wonderful to see. You should be very proud of yourself. So the same email where you put the negative news first, not last, changes the dynamic of that email. And all of a sudden, you're now not being manipulative. You're now talking to people straight, but you're also yeah. ending it on a positive manner. And when we communicate how we end a conversation whether it's on the phone, face-to-face, or via email, is how they remember it. So the last impression is the lasting impression. And if your last impression that a property manager has is, and it's going to cost you $4,000, I look forward to hearing back from you when you're ready, 
that's not a great memory to pick up the phone next time you speak with them. However, you run that, unfortunately, this has happened, this, this, and this, letting you know we've undertaken this, this, and this to give you all the guarantees. I'm very confident we can work this out, and I look forward to speaking with you shortly. Straight away, that is the manner they remember it when they now see your name show up on their phone or when they get the next email from you, so they're more effective in wanting to reach an outcome. And people are 31% more likely to reach an outcome when in a positive mindset. So our responsibility on how we communicate has changed because if we want to work in our client's best interest, which is our job, we have to then communicate it in a manner that is in their best interest and that gets us most favorable outcomes. Mm. So communication is, is crucial in that. I love that because I, I always start it nicely and then do the problem and that is absolutely for my mind that yep. you're absolutely right. Like you should put, um, yeah, sorry, we've, whatever, the hot water system's burst, it's going to cost a $1,000. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The hot water <laughs> yep. system's blown. Yep. Um, we've got quotes from our three tradespeople we trust the most. This is how much it's going to cost. It's quite unfortunate. However, we've undertaken this, this, and this to ensure that you're very well looked after and that you're getting the best um, outcome and price. And um, I look forward to hearing from you soon. Yeah. So again, finishing positively. And, you know, apologies yeah. for those who have heard me say this before, but this is something that even in my personal life, I will send my mum a message and saying, hey, mum, how's your day today? And then she would reply back very quickly, good, how can I help? I'm like, oh, crap. Want? I should be, hey, mum, can you look after my son for an hour on Saturday? Um, hey, by the way, how was your day? So it's more legit. We're communicating to people in a respectful manner because yeah. we're not trying to sugarcoat everything. We're being upfront, honest, because people know what's coming. Yeah, you when can, you get all the yeah. niceties up front, you know something's going to come shortly. Want? Exactly. It goes through your head. What do you want? Yeah. Like, this is what I want. By the way, how can I help you? This is what I'm doing for you. I look forward to hearing from you. And straight away, if you can use his strategies to redo your emails and cut the, the niceties out of the front, put them at the back, cut yeah. the negative at the front, and then start the email with, unfortunately, I've got some bad news or I'm afraid I've got something you're not going to want to hear. It lets them give them opportunity to, you know, brace themselves for the bad news and then finish positively so you're more receptive for the outcome. And again, that's that should be, every property manager should know that, every salesperson should yeah. know that. But again, unless you invest in your own training and development and pick know. the courses where that stuff's discussed, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And training should make your life easier and simpler. That's the whole aim of it. It shouldn't be there to make it, make it worse. That is so awesome. That There you go. That's like a bit of free training for everyone that listens to it. That is that, that's very, very cool. I really, really love that. That's yeah. excellent. And if anyone wants to research it themselves, that, that person is Chris Voss. So how, he's, do you, how do you spell Voss? Uh, Chris yep. and then Voss, V-O-S-S. Um, he used the former lead negotiator of the FBI. Uh, of the kidnappings and hostages. So if anyone can negotiate and has rules and tips and tricks that work, you want to follow someone like that. And he knows how people think and how that works and it works. Yeah. Love that. That's like absolutely blowing my mind. Very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, it is uh, Robin from Aspire Performance Training. And there are such great options for officers and property managers to further their education and further the education of their team as well. So get in touch with Robin. I will tag him in to this podcast. On Tap Plumbing and Gas covers all Perth areas from Mandurah to Two Rocks and has a team of plumbing, drainage and hot water experts. They have an amazing reputation for their excellent service and quality workmanship on time, every time, and it is easy to see why they are a favourite to many Perth property managers. Whether you just need some friendly advice or an obligation-free quote, look no further than on-tap plumbing and gas.